Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Last week we started unfolding our vision for uh, AIM vision for 2017 and uh, if you weren't here you can get that, it's on, on our brand new webpage which looks beautiful, our website and, uh, and you can get the, the podcast and download it and listen to it um, just to get up to speed with where we're at this year, what we're thinking and um, you know and, and as I mentioned last week we're going to be spending a fair bit of time focusing on discipleship this year, uh, I really think discipleship is one of the keys that we haven't quite we're okay at it but I reckon we need to take it to another level and uh, and I talked about that a fair bit and, and as, as part of that discussion there was almost a throwaway line that I had last week about growing godly people and I don't even think it was in my notes but but something just when the words came out of my mouth it was like the Holy Spirit sort of breathed on them and I thought whoa, there's something in that, I need to think about that, I need to consider what is that about. And, and I've been thinking about it all this week, and, and that's what I'm going to share on this morning, is growing godly people. Um, you know, I said something like this, uh, our role is, as Christians is actually pretty simple, if we break it down, but somehow we make it more complicated than it should be. Uh, we, we overcomplicate it very often. And, and if we really boil it all down... Once we're Christians, it's really just to grow godly people. And I talked about growing others that don't know Christ towards God, about growing uh, ourselves and growing other people that are Christians and that, and that discipleship thing. And um, I also said this, that we're not focused on growth for growth's sake because that would be dumb, even though I also agree with healthy things grow. You know, when something's healthy, it grows. But we're not focused on growth for growth's sake. But growth in God's people makes room for God to move to a greater dimension in our church. Growth in you and me, in our walk with God, makes space, a place for God to breathe on, to grow in, so our church can grow to a greater level and, and, and for what God wants to do in us and through us. And, and God, growing godly people means growing godly marriages, growing godly kids, growing godly relationships, growing godly young people, growing godly men, growing godly women, grow, grow godly... Every part of our lives is about... When we get this understanding of what growing godly people means, it actually means we will grow a strong, growing, dynamic, significant church for God and a godly church. Why? to reach and positively influence our community and world, our, our mission statement. We talked about that last week as well. And, and so I want to really just focus in on this, this idea of growing godly people. And, and see, you and me, we're the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. It's not this building, even though it's lovely being in here and air-conditioned and, uh, and it's better than being outside probably. It's not the building, okay? It's, it's not even... Um, the name of the church, like that's not the church. It's not even a worship service. That's not the church. It's part of what we do as a church. 
But that's not the church. You and me, we are the church. Put your name in there. Greg and Rob and Chris, Andy, Jan, like put your name in that. We are the church together. It's not this building. If this building burnt down or fell down or whatever, it's melted, um, you know, um, we'd still be the church, you know, and we'd still meet together somewhere, wherever that would be. So this, this place, this property isn't the church, and yet it's a great resource for what God's doing, you know, and so we have to look at, as followers of Christ, if we want to grow godly people, what does that mean? And, and, and our job description, basically, if we boil it all down, is Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us to do. Everything. And, and then what happened? Jesus tells us he is with us always when we're doing that. And I just want to bring a greater clarity to that. So I know I talked about it, about it last week. I just want to re-emphasize that this morning. Um, and if we had to summarize all that down, I think it means growing godly people. Growing godly people. How are you growing in your relationship with God? How are you helping your kids, if you've got kids, grow in their relationship with God? How are you helping your partner, your spouse, if you've got a spouse, grow in their relationship with God? How are you growing godly relationships, the people you know, friends, family? How are you growing in that area? And then how does that contribute to building a godly church? Because that's what we want. And I started to think about this this week and thought, what does a godly person even look like? As an unchurched person, that's not holier than thou, by the way. That's not what I thought of straight away. But, but I remember as a, being unchurched, my idea of what a godly person was then and now is pretty different because I, I didn't have a very high opinion of Christians back in those days. And, uh, and it wasn't probably very nice, actually. One of our main philosophies of ministry as a church is love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And uh, the first series I ever preached, when we planted, for the first six weeks, we talked about love, acceptance, and forgiveness for six weeks, back nearly 15 years ago. And, and ever since then, we've had that philosophy of love, acceptance, forgiveness. So it's got to incorporate that aspect. Um, you know, even when we do our Bay Life Central, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, we give out the book by um, Pastor Jerry Cook called Love, Acceptance, Forgiveness. It's been a philosophy of our ministry since day one. And, and so, so if you're interested in getting along to that, please do if you're new to the church or we'd like to be. So, so what does growing godly people mean? This is just, I've just got three points here this morning and uh, I'm just going to talk to you about this. Growing godly people is about growing, loving and caring people. If we're godly and we haven't got love and care in, in the mix of who we are, what's the point? What's the point? You know, we only have to look at Jesus' example to us, how he's modelled that. You know, as I was thinking about this year, our, our vision for this year, this Amplify, you know, that idea of the, the, the stone going in the puddle in the, in the pond and it's sort of amplifying out from that. It's really clear our love has to affect the world in a way that changes them and, and, and they think differently about Christ in that process. Uh, you see, if we are disciples of Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, we have to be identified by our love. And we're going to look at that in a minute. And if we're not growing in our capacity, our love capacity, 
when we're not really living the life that Jesus Christ has called us to. You see, it's not just getting a component of love and going, okay, I'm there now, it's all good, and for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm away. No, no, no. It's about every challenge that we, we rub up against. How am I going to respond in love? It's about every situation in our life. Well, how am I going to respond to that in love? How am I going to respond like Jesus would love us? You know, and, and, and it's hard. It's really difficult. But let, but let me say this. Firstly, it's our love and care for one another as Christians. That's the first checkpoint in this process. We are um, known as disciples of Christ based on our love for one another. That one another scriptures. There's so many of them. And we have to get this people thing right between ourselves first before we can actually make, make any difference in the world. We have to get our relationships right and true and good and wholesome and healthy and full before we can actually make the difference that God's calling us to. And, and we need to love and accept and forgive each other. Sometimes we've got to love and accept and forgive ourselves first. But then we've got to, out of that, love and accept and forgive each other. To model that in a way that the world look, looks on and goes, wow, that's a better way to live. That's a different way to live. I, I, that's not the way we live in the world. It, it, it's you know, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That's not the way we do it. We want to keep short accounts with each other. We, we want to live a way that, that deals with those things that come at, at us. Offence. It's not if offence comes, it's when offence comes. Do you know that? It's not, you will get offended. If you're in this church, as much as I'd like it not to... No, actually, I, I actually like it when it happens. Because it actually really tests what's in our hearts. Get, get my spirit... Like, get what I'm saying here. I, I don't want it just for the, to aggravate you for no reason. Although I do that from time to time as well. But when we get challenged... And offended, when the test comes, that really determines what's in our heart and whether we choose to respond in a loving, godly way or not. And sometimes it takes us a little while to get there. You know, it's not our instantaneous response. Oh, you lovely person. Thank you for abusing me. And, and you know, and uh, no, it takes a while to get there. But it has to be the way we respond as a church. Because if we, if we haven't got that, what's attractive to the world to come into this? You know, we give up our time for nothing. We give our money to build this thing. We, we actually meet together. We sacrifice a lot of our lives. For what? For what? It's got to be Christ's love in us and working through us. And then we have to display it to each other first before it can actually go out to the next level. We've got to do that well, you know? And, and I just think sometimes we don't really operate in this offence thing that well. We, we don't get it. We have to operate in grace and truth and love just like Jesus did. You know, I was talking to Phil and Lois the other week and, you know, they've been through horrific, tragic circumstances with the death of their, their daughter and in a horrible car crash and... You know, and they were talking about the loneliness. You know, it was fine before the funeral and the funeral and all that. And then the, 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 everyone went home after that. And the loneliness of that 
season afterwards and trying to grapple with well, what's going on and all those sorts of things. And they told me about, and I'm not going into that aspect, but they told me about a Christian friend. Well, I think I've got this story right. Anyway, you don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Um, they told me about a Christian friend who, um, who rang both of them every day for months. Is that right? Three months. Three months. There you go. I got it right. Um, three months. Every day. Every day. Whoa. That isn't, that's, that's going way past what is convenient or normal or what would be expected. Why? Because he was displaying his love for them, his care for them. And it's obviously the thing that God laid on his heart to do and he responded in that way. Godly care, godly love. Whoa, that is amazing. So first we've got to get that love for each other right first. The second thought I had about this is growing our, our love in our, for our neighbours. You know, and you, and you can be the same as that, that guy in the law that goes, you know, well, who's my neighbour, the, the Good Samaritan story? And Jesus clearly sort of challenges that and says, well, who do you think it is? And he says, well, to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, all your, and to love your neighbour as yourself. Who's your neighbour? Who, who, who's my neighbour? Who, who is that? And, and Jesus tells a story about the man that's robbed and beat up on the road and, and the, the, the priest you know, goes on the other side of the road and the Levite goes on the other side of the road and the Samaritan picks him up and, and fixes him up and bandages him up and then takes him to an inn and pays the expenses for the inn and says, look, whatever expense you get, I'll, I'll pay for that. So it's going beyond what is normal and natural. And, and here's the deal. Samaritans and Jews don't actually didn't get on in these times. They actually didn't get on. They didn't talk to each other. They, didn't, they weren't nice to each other. But this Samaritan recognized his neighbor in trouble and responded in the way Jesus would want him to respond through this story. And I just think we have to get past our personal prejudice, prejudices sometimes, our personal opinions, our per, even our worldly, the things that have been sown into us through what we read and watch and think it's got to be this way, it's got to be that way. And we have to, have to go past that to be outwork this neighbourly love. The other thought I had is to grow in our love for people that can't speak for themselves, the disadvantaged, the widows, the orphans, the fatherless, the oppressed. And Isaiah 1 verse 17 says this, and this is a verse that, man, is stuck in my heart and my mind for a long time. Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And I often try to work out, what does that mean for me, God? What does that mean for our church? And it's been rolling around my heart and my head for so many years. And particularly in these last few years when we got the, the extra three acres, I'm thinking, maybe there's something in that for us here. You know, what, what is it, God? You know, and, and um, basically, and this, I'm not saying this is God's direction. I'm not saying God's spoken to me about this. I just know he's placed it in my heart and I'm trying to work out what that means for us. But just imagine, and I'll say this with a great, because <laughs> none of this is processed, and this isn't the way I work at all, to be truthful. But imagine, imagine, just imagine establishing a refuge, accommodation, cabins for, for women that have been through abuse, personal, emotional abuse. Imagine we establish a place this for for people that are fleeing that domestic abuse. Imagine if we uh, set up a, a place here for, as a refuge for people. 
you know, that, that could come into it and go, I'm safe here. I'm safe here. Just imagine, just imagine for the homeless, for the disadvantaged, for the people that, that don't have any better way forward. Just imagine if we set up this Bay Life Care, a Bay Life Care that, that somehow we could fund that, you know, the counselling, the, the, the rehabilitation, maybe even a medical centre. Who knows? Just imagine. This scripture, one, Isaiah 1, 17, is just burnt in my heart and my mind for such a long time. And I keep trying to work out, God, come on, I don't know what you're saying. I started Macquarie Care back at Macquarie Church back many, many years ago. And it's, it, with that scripture in mind, and it hasn't gone away. <laughs> there's more yet to come. And, and there's so many great things Macquarie Care in Newcastle is doing now. You know, they've got a, a homeless thing that people sleep in their cars on site and, and they, they, they give them bathrooms and, and place to, to be safe. And, and this is a new season, a new challenge in a new season. And I thought about it, can I do it? And it's like, definitely not. Can we do it together? Maybe. Can God do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. God can do anything. And with us agreeing together and understanding there is a need in our community, in our world, for something more than is currently that we can see. And, and as I said, I'm not saying this is a definite, I'm not saying anything except that. We've got to love one another. We've got to love our neighbour. We've got to love the disadvantaged people in, our, in the world. For goodness sake, that's why Jesus came to this earth, to show us a way to do that. And here's something else I want to challenge you with this morning, and you might not like me after this, but we need to, a love for the world that seems out of control and like it's imploding sometimes. A love for people different to ourselves. In the book of Acts, it talks about, and, and we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And, and, and as I said quickly there, Samaritans were, were considered by Jews as dogs, not worthy of speaking to. They're objectionable to them. And for us, I thought, well, how does that apply to us, for you and for me today? It might be people of different religions and beliefs. It might be Muslims, Hindus, uh, Buddhists, New Age people, atheists, all those people. We're meant to love them. We're meant to love them. We don't have to agree with them, but we're meant to love them with the love of Christ. We're meant to do that. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that we have to worship their God or worship their lack of God or whatever that is. We don't have to agree with them, but we have to love them and accept them for who they are. And only then can they actually be truly feel the love of Christ and acceptance that maybe they might consider there's a better way of life. And there's a, a clear distinction between loving them and loving their practices, Okay. And here's a challenge, and I did nearly take this out of my notes, but I'm going to leave them in there. We're even meant to love those with different sexual preferences to ourselves. You know, the gay and lesbian crowd. And it seems so trendy at the moment. It seems so, I don't know, just it's confusing young people because, I don't know, do I agree with their practices? No, of course not. You know, could they be a leader in our church? No, they can't. Um, do I love them with the love of Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I want them in our church? Absolutely we do. We are a church that loves and accepts people for who they are because unless they get that love and that acceptance, they're, they're not open to the gospel. They've got to know that we love them first 
and that we care for them and that we accept them exactly the way they are, as Jesus did so many times with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and with the kids and with the, all the people that, that he, he mingled with. We've got to love them first with the love of Christ and then, then they feel the love of Christ and they go, wow, maybe there is something more to this than I've even recognised before. You see, our, our, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. We so often think it's about this person or that person or that practice or this practice. No, it's not. God's above all that. Every single one of them. And, and he loves them. He loves them. That's what we're called to do, to love them. Not love them if they change. <laughs> then we'll love you. Or love you when you clean your act up. That's when we'll love you. No, 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 no. Let's love them now and let Jesus through his Holy Spirit do his resurrecting and, and transforming and convicting work in their lives through love, through love. And, and Jesus so often talked about this through the Gospels. Um, let me give you a couple of challenges in this. You know, Matthew 5, 43 and 44, uh, 43 and 44 says this. Uh, Jesus says this, love your neighbor. You might have heard this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Ah, it's not the way Jesus works. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. What? Love our enemies and pray for those that persecute you? That's craziness. No, that's Christianity. That's Christianity. It's being a disciple of Christ. That's grace. That's love, acceptance, forgiveness. Grace takes our our lives and our God beyond natural circumstance, beyond our natural thinking, beyond our natural responses to a higher level of thinking and our responsibility and accountability. You know, in the same chapter, Jesus talks about the law and, and that murder is a sin. Then he goes on and says, anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to the same judgment as murder. Whoa. And then he says this, the law says don't commit adultery. But Jesus takes us to the whole new level. He says, even when we look at women lustfully, we've committed adultery in our hearts. Whoa. Whoa. You see, Jesus, the, the uh, Pharisees brought that, that woman, that girl who was caught in adultery to Jesus and said, you know, they were trying to trap him. Said, now what should we do with this girl? She's caught in adultery. And they had the rocks and the stones and they're ready to stone her and kill her. And he just writes in the sand, in the ground. And he says, Well, he who's got no sin, who doesn't sin, you throw the first stone. And all the, the Pharisees and the legal guys all, all left. And he didn't finish there. He didn't say, Well, that's the end of that. He said, No, no, no. He says, who, who, who the accuser's gone? Yep, they're gone. Go and don't sin again. So he spoke with not only love and grace, but truth. He spoke the truth. That sin, don't do it again. Growing godly people is growing, loving, and caring people. Okay, that's that first point. Done. <sighs> growing godly people is about growing bigger people. And this is, you thought I was passionate in the last one. You wait till we get to this one. I think, if I think about it, this is probably the core reason, one of the core reasons anyway, that I entered ministry. 
I've just got a passion to grow bigger people. I just want our church to be a, 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 a church that grows bigger people. I, I love it. You see, it's, it's a small thing and yet it's a big thing. I love it when I see people taking risks, you know, starting businesses, stepping out in life, going there is more yet than, than currently I'm living or seeing. I love it when that happens. I love that. And, 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 and the truth is, when I became a Christian, I loved all the touchy-feely stuff and I loved all that stuff. And, but I, I saw Christians that were good people, been in church all their lives sometimes, trying to do the right thing, but living often very small, insular lives. And, and reading through the Bible, I saw how huge our God is and read the way the early church through the book of Acts, you know, by God's miracles and power and faith and action, how the church established and got started. You go, what we're doing now and what we're reading about there don't equate. There's something missing. There's something we're, we're missing here. They don't add up. And, and it's like that verse out of um, the book of Numbers when, when Moses sends the 12 uh, spies out into the promised land and, and the 12 came back and 10 came back with a, 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 a bad report. It said, it's too scary. There's too many giants. There's all sorts of problems. Don't go there. We'll be killed. And even though they had all these miracles <laughs> coming out of Egypt, um, and the two thought it was a good idea. And Numbers 13, 33 says, the way the, the ten were thinking, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. You see, so often the way we consider ourselves as being small and like grasshoppers, insignificant, actually reflects the God we serve. And if we think our God is a small, insignificant God, well, that's okay. But if we think our God is a huge, abundant, enormous, all God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, creator of the universe type of God, why, how can we be small as children of Christ, as children of God? How, how can we? We can't. It just doesn't make any sense. And then I read things like 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11 and 13, now the message verb. And I love this passage. It says this, Paul says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallest you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. I love that line. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. The smallest you feel comes from within you. Live openly and expansively. Church, don't you want that sort of life? I know I do. I know I do. I want to take the limits off. I don't want to hold back by fear or not risk something because we might lose something. I want to live a life that lives in the promises of God, that lives in that, that miracle territory, that lives where God breathes on it. And it, only when God turns up, we're going to see those results. <laughs> Come on, if we've got a God who's on our side, and we do, who can be against us? No one. If we are called more than conquerors, if we are um, not the head and not the tail, if, we are, if nothing is impossible for our God, if we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, if we are children of the Most High God, if nothing is impossible for our God, if we lift our eyes and the hearts to our God, this is abundant God, and ask Him to speak to us, He's not going to speak a small, tiny, 
baby vision. He's going to challenge you to go to beyond where you're currently going, to lift our eyes, to lift our hearts to all the purpose and passion and things he's put within you, the dreams he's got within you. You see, we've got to agree with what God says about us. He says lots. He says lots. And uh, it might be an indelicate way to say it, but sometimes we've just got to get over ourselves. Seriously. Just got to get over ourselves. You know? God has a much higher plan and purpose for each one of us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, show me your way. Show me your thoughts. Give me a small insight into that. There's so much more than we're currently living and experiencing and seeing, me included. I want to live in that miracle territory where, where God has to turn up. You know, I, I don't want to live in the safe zone anymore. And bring it back to church just for a minute. I know that growing godly people, growing bigger people, you and me, means eventually we grow a bigger church. Now, not for growth's sake, remember, but it means we grow bigger thinkers, we grow bigger faith, we grow bigger resources, we we grow people who are thinking beyond the small-mindedness, but actually, let's, let's change this place. Let's make a difference in this place. Let's go beyond what's natural and normal. Let, let's do something supernatural in God's uh, provision. You know, Let, let's go beyond what, what we're currently going. You see, I, I, I just want God to move in my circumstances in this church to, to really outwork that great commission, you know, to disciple people the way Jesus wants us to disciple him, to disciple them. And, and, and here's a, here's a it's a little interesting by story. When we planned this church nearly 15 years ago, we had a few adults, not many. We seemed to have a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers, a lot of kids, and, uh, and that was all fun, except it was messy and there was no finances and, uh, and it, w- it was tough, you know, it was just tough. And, and the first person I employed was a youth pastor. That's the first one. I went, okay, I can only afford a day a week, but I'm just going to give it to a youth pastor and let's see what we can do. It was Simon Day at the time. And we, did, we have had, there's a DNA in us that's encouraged our young people since day one. Since day one. So it's no surprise to me that we are still doing well with youth, that we give youth a lot of focus in our church. Um, so where am I going with that? I've lost my track. Oh, yes, 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 that's right. Yes, that's right. So young people, that's right, that's right. And, and basically, I had others, this, this was a God thought in those times. That's, that's what I wanted to get to. Go for the people that no one wants now and they'll become the people that everybody wants later. And it's so true. I didn't think it was true at the time, by the way, but I, we were still going to go for the young people because you just don't know what fruit's going to come. But we've grown our own leaders now. We've got leaders just about in all our, our areas that have actually been kids that have come up through our, our ministries that are now mature and... Well, I wouldn't say they're mature, but they're, <laughs> they're older and... Um, and uh, and they're, they're leading our church in an amazing way, you know. And we've got so many, and it has attracted great people because they see the energy and the passion of our youth and they go, oh, I want some of that for my kids or, or I want to be a part of that, I want to see that. You know, people, so many people comment on our little bunch of kids down this corner here that jump up and down at the start of our service. When they visit, they go, oh, I love that. Your kids are up the front and they're jumping up and down and dancing and having a good time. 
People love that stuff. And, 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 and I just know it's true. God builds bigger people in his church. God grows us in a way that we can't even understand sometimes. And we've got so many great leaders. We even have to go to a new level church. We have to grow people with bigger hearts, bigger vision, bigger dreams, bigger understanding of who our God is, so we can step into that realm of, God, I rely on you, I trust in you. You know, it might seem risky in, in the natural sense, but, you know, God, I know you're going to come through for us and step in that faith zone with him to do what only he can do. You know, I've heard this said, if you're not pursuing your dreams, you're fueling your fears. And it's, it's an interesting saying. And I heard about this medical, I read about this medical condition, um, amblyopia, it's called. And uh, an eye specialist was writing about it. And it occurs when, uh, for some reason, a child wears a patch over an eye for some extended period of time. Even a healthy eye, like a healthy eye. And when the patch is removed, the child has completely lost the sight in that once healthy mind. And it's so interesting, covering the eye stunts its development and causes blindness, in fact. And many of us suffer from our own form of amblyopia. Many of us do. We go through life with blinders over our eyes, afraid to dream bigger dreams and do the things we fear. The result is we lose our vision, we lose our dreams, we lose our God-reliance, we go through into, into automatic mode and just survival mode and we react to all those twists and turns in life. And, oh, no, no. And, and, and it's not the way God would want us to live. Growing godly people is growing bigger people. Growing bigger people with bigger vision, bigger dreams, bigger hearts, bigger passions for all that wants, God wants to do in us and through us. And last point, growing godly people means growing intentional people. We have to be intentional about what we do and how we do it. And this applies to discipleship. You know, we talked about that last week. I'm not going to go back there just now. But, but you need to decide who are you discipling, how are you going to be discipled, who, who is it going to be, when is it going to happen, how are you going to organise that. And, 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 you know, Robin said I scared a few people off with my story about my friend who we met together for three years every week. And it doesn't have to be like that. You know, I've already heard stories of people that are meeting three, are meeting together and there's like a prayer group, accountability group and it might be just once a month or once every fortnight or something like that. And that's great. That's exactly what it requires. You know, do that. Be intentional about it. You know, um, in, in the early church, um, this is how the gospel was spread. Forceful people forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. See, that's intentional. Go into all the world and make disciples and teaching them to obey. That's intentional. Jesus was extremely intentional about what, how he wanted to live our lives. How are you being intentional with your walk with God? How are you being intentional with your discipleship? How are you growing in God? How are you doing that? Are you being intentional? Or are you just letting it flow along? Oh, I'll just go with the flow. No, that's not the way to do it. Seriously, it's not the way to do it. Be intentional. Who do you want to mentor you? Go and talk to them. I'm telling you, it's a privilege if someone comes up to you and says, I would like you, could we meet together? I'm not going to say I can commit to anything, be truthful, but, but once a month, once every couple of weeks, something like that. It's a privilege to be asked to do that. It's not like, oh, no, I'm way too busy to meet with you once a month. No one does that. I'm, I'm saying just me, I'm saying for anybody. It's a privilege to be asked to do that. 
So, so why wouldn't you want that in your life? Why wouldn't you want someone further down the road speaking into your life that's got, got success or fruits or, or, or things you, that you appreciate or uh, re, you think are good? Why wouldn't you want someone speaking into your life like that? Not, not every day, not every second of every day, but, but just every now and then go, yeah, look, the way you do that, maybe you could think about that differently. You know, the way you're talking maybe isn't helpful in this. And it just challenges us to think, oh, then think about that. That's a great thought. You know, we have to be open and secure, of course. You know, there's so many areas I could have covered here this morning. Growing passionate people, growing faith-filled people, growing faithful people. There's so many different areas I could have gone into. And I've run out of time because I want to really give some airplay to life groups, just for a second. You see, life groups is a great way to grow godly people. It really is. Life groups can outwork that discipleship, that loving and caring for each other, uh, the outreach, serving, um, learning there's so many different ways we can utilize life groups to grow us in christ and, and like in 1 corinthians 12 the different parts of the body they've all got to be in cooperation and as soon as a part's not there it, the body doesn't work as well you know and so we need every part so all life groups can be very different they don't have to be the same i know i started in the early days everyone had to meet on a day every two weeks and actually we started weekly and then everyone just went can't do it anymore went okay maybe fortnight is a better deal but it's not like that I just want you to connect with people you want to connect to. You know, if there's not a life group that meets your needs or, or, or meets when you can get to it, start a group yourself. You know, come and see us. Come and... and uh, is that God calling or is it just done? Um, start a life group. Someone's just contacted Christine to see if he's got a life group she can, she can go to. But... Um, <laughs> So, so start a life group, being part of a life group, commit to God. Look, I have got an audacious aim this year for everyone in our church to be part of a life group. Come on. Come on. Now, listen, truly, if we get to 80%, we're doing okay. <laughs> but I've got an aim that everyone <laughs> in our church is connected to a life group. In fact... Anyway, 80's good, but 100 would be brilliant. Um, but we have to be intentional about that. If you're waiting for someone to ask you to go to a life group, well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. What, what do you want to be a part of? Now, we've got some brochures here with all the life groups, well, the ones we've got established at the moment anyway. So I'd love you to look at those, have a think about those, and, and, and just see where you want to fit. Now, can I say to you, we have got this life group thing and and truly i'm running out of space now i've got to try and work out what i have to say i want to say this life groups is our pastoral care system okay i consider our life group leaders as pastors elders um leaders in our church hear what i'm saying and and it's a biblical concept and it's a, a great leadership principle as well. If we've got all our people connected in small groups, you basically get cared for it and loved. People know what your needs are. They can respond to your needs if it's meals or mowing the lawn or, or, or there's something going on in your life. You know, Because so often the, the information is not getting to us as quickly as it used to in the old days. And, and, and we have to break free this idea of the pastor or the ministers doing everything. Seriously, we've got to have a system that our church as it naturally grows, 
that we're not being limited by my natural or any of our natural abilities. We have to have a system whereby it can naturally grow as our church grows. And life groups is a beautiful system of that. You know, Moses got challenged with it in the Bible. If you look at his, his Jethro, his, his father-in-law is talking about it. And, 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 and it's a biblical system whereby people get connected in small groups. They get cared for. They get loved. They get challenged. They, they, you know, and, and it gets challenged all those people-loving things we talked about, you know, because sometimes... People aren't that nice, you know, and, and, and you mightn't even like them, but you still love them. So, uh, um, so, so it's the system we'd love you to be involved in. And, and, you know, we've got over 300 people now. I can't possibly care for you. I can't even know what's going on in your life anymore, you know. I know I've seen my prayer list, I've seen Robin's prayer list, and it's just pages of stuff. And we can't do anything about any of that except just lift it up to God nowadays, you know. Um, we need you, the church, to operate in the way that we're meant to operate as the church of Jesus Christ, to love one another, to, to grow in our love for one another, to grow godly people that love one another, you know, that, that, that build uh, a significant church that loves God, loves people and loves life. Now, we've got some brochures there, please. We might even hand some of those back if you'd like those. Um, but what I'd like to do, if you lead a life group, I don't care whether it's a life group's adult life group, Men's life group, ladies' life group, um, young adults, kids, young like youth, any of those areas. If you lead a group or potentially will lead a group this year, I want you to come out the front. just want you to come out the front. So stand up and come out right now. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.